everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 121. Today we're going to be going over the results of the 2022 Oscars, and then an mm. in-depth review of the 1972 film The Godfather. So without further ado, let's get into our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. So topic of the week. The Oscars came and went, as you guys know. Did anything did they? big did anything big happen during this event? No. It's very uneventful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's they were given awards to people. They called out names. Well, I got I got I want to bring up a few oh, things man. about it. Obviously we all know there's a lot of controversy, you know, things happen. People got slapped. It was wild, right? Seeing it live, I was like, holy shit, right? It reminded me of kind of like the uh, screw up with like Moonlight a little bit a couple years ago, or uh, just yeah. a, just a bit, yeah. yeah. It was Moonlight and um, La La Land. Uh, La La Land. It's just that it's always great. funny or to Warren see. Beatty. <laughs> yeah, goddamn Dick Tracy's like I don't I don't know how to read this shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna tell you though, it, this just like that that goof made me want to go back and watch Dick Tracy. This one makes me want to go back and watch <laughs> Beverly Hills Ninja and uh, all the Bad Boys movies. <laughs> I thought you were like, for some reason, I just, I just started watching fucking Osmosis Jones afterwards. It was weird. Yeah. Wow. I like that it's Beverly Hills Ninja. That <laughs> It's not even like the main star of that film. He's a limo driver, bro. You like Ninja? Dude, because it's, it's got, you know, martial Memories arts. on the you know? tree. Memories on the tree. Whoa! To get over the wall. Mm. So we did our predictions. If you guys followed along, I I mean, eventually I'm going to lose, guys. But I, I won again this five, fifth year in a row, I think. I'm getting closer, though. I got I to get my numbers right, but I'm getting closer. I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, I dipped <laughs> heavily from last year. Heavily. This was almost... I almost aced this one, so... But then I missed all the little ones because I didn't give a shit. And then, I mean, I guess a couple of them were pretty apparent... I didn't get editing. Editing, I felt, was like a toss-up. Um, I thought um, Power of the Dog would win that one, but it didn't. It went to Dune. Uh, Nabil, That's what I thought, too. Was, did, who did Tick, Tick, Boom? Was that you, Nabil? Yeah, I did Tick, Tick, Boom. I actually thought that might have had a chance, too, by the way, because the editing in that movie is really well done. So Yeah, and there's a um, lot of cuts to different things at, at you know in that film, so I thought that they would be... It was really well done for him, for the type of Wild. musical it was. Yeah, yeah. and then my uh, my original screenplay one I got wrong because uh, my love for licorice pizza. I was like, God damn it! Even though I knew I, Belfast I did the same, was the uh, front runner for it, but I was like, and but I I, mean, I didn't know that. I didn't think Belfast was a front runner for it. I was surprised. He'd been winning to be a, a lot of them leading up to it. I guess because Kenneth Branagh has never won a Academy Award. I guess that was a big deal. So, which is cool. So yeah, they had to like give him one. We got to give him one, guys. Well, I mean, Just that movie one. is. Is well, like I said, uh, I told Marco too, and Nabil knows it's based on his childhood, which is, I think, more personal yeah. for him. So, it's one of the films that I, I enjoyed the most, to be honest, um, for last year of the films that I'd seen. So, but I just didn't think it got enough uh, heat on it for it to be a, a strong contender for like best film, best picture. And CJ, if I had known that about Kenneth Branagh, if I had actually seen the movie, then I probably would have chosen it just for that. Yeah, it happens, but I mean. Uh, the big winner of the night though was Coda, which was awesome because that is a excellent film. Uh, did you ever movie get fucking to it, deserved it? I did. Yes, okay, I actually good. watched it the night before. I thought you were like just watch uh, the fucking Macbeth, bro. That's all I watched. Still haven't seen that one. 
You don't have to. No, Coda hands down deserved it. And that's that's the one I wanted to win. And um, obviously, I lost. I went Power of the Dog. I didn't. I didn't vote with my heart this time. I kind of try to stay with um, with the I think Oscar this buzz. Is the basically, first time that I've gotten the best picture in like four years, though. I've gotten it wrong every year. I look back and I was like, "Damn, I've it's harder this each year." Well, there's many categories. I mean, there's ten films, so it's it's much more difficult to. Um, I, I knew it to would get come right. down though to between Coda and Power of the Dog. I knew those were the top two. And then I had like an inkling. I was like, "Man, Dune could," because Dune was killing it too on every other. Thing. I was surprised at how much of the accolades Dune got. Like, don't get me wrong, it deserves what it got. Yeah, but one six. Yeah, it, it got a lot of accolades. I'm shocked. Love that it. Tammy Faye won too a bit. I understand uh, Jessica Chastain because I was I was talking to Marco because we had our little party thing, and mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Jenny for hosting us again. By the way, my girlfriend, uh, Mikey came over as well, and um, like I think. I, Early on in this year, I probably would have told you Chris and Stewart was like the front runner for everything, you know? But after seeing really? the movie, I was like, no, this can't work. And then as much as like Tammy Faye, I thought was okay as a movie, I, I can't deny that Jessica Chastain's performance in it is She was the best part of that film for well sure. Done. Yes. Yeah. She's, She's really good in general. I'm surprised though that uh, Andrew Garfield didn't get uh, nominated for his role in there too because I, I thought he was just as good too. But when you I see enjoyed the images, him a lot in that film, yeah. Yeah, but when you see the images and video of Tammy Faye, and then you compare it to Jessica Chastain, it's pretty. It's like holy crap! Like she's like nailing it. So, That's but do, has that is that a thing? Has there been a uh, simultaneous nomination for one person to get like best actor and best supporting um, yeah. Yeah, actor? Yeah, it's happened before. Uh-huh. They've never won both, obviously, but it's happened. Right. Before. That's that's weird though. It happened. I mean, people. You, they hustle and they do more than one movie. Sometimes you nail a good one. I think the top uh, one for me was Troy Kutzer winning for Coda, though. Yeah, me too. That was a really good one. I was holding back the tears on that one. I was like, oh, man. Especially Such a the, great uh, speech, man. The lady from Minari signed him that he had won like early on. I was like, oh. How yeah. These people. And then he's just talking about People were trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, and I was like, oh, she, but then I was like, oh, she's like signing to him that he won, so he knows. So I was like, oh. That's she also tried to talk to him as they were walking off stage. I was like, you understand what you're doing here, right? <laughs> Damn, no deal. <laughs> I love fucking, he's like, hey, someone tell this fucking Asian lady to fucking relax. Um, other than that, a lot of them, Dune, like we said, killed it, which was crazy. Documentary, I called it too on that one. I knew Summer Soul was going to win. Summer Soul. Yeah. And then foreign film, I knew dri- Drive My Car. That was the most hyped up one coming into it, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yep. The film that was my guarantee. Should have put a lot more points, points on that one. That was my guarantee 23. Especially because I'd just seen it and I was like, you know what? It I was a good film. This and Flea out of the two. So it's it was long. Yeah. It was very long, but, you know, it was fun. It was this, uh, surprising. Uh, what do you guys think of the hosts? I thought it was great. To be honest, I thought they did really well. I mean, Schumer, Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall. I was telling you. Um, James, that I really, you know, I like Wanda Sykes, and I thought she was yeah. she was pretty on point. There, there were there were a couple like cringe worthy moments from them. Like Amy Schumer had a couple with um, one with uh, Chris, uh, Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, I thought that was a kind of a, a weird situation, but you know, as a whole, I think they did pretty well. They were, they were quite they entertaining. Did better than I together. thought they would. I thought I was going to be a lot more annoyed, but by the end of it, I was like, ah, all right. Well, Wanda so. Sykes was the best one, though. Of the three, I think. Yeah, if anything, yeah. the one criticism we did have while watching it was, like, the skits went on too long, though. Yeah. Like, yeah they fucking kind of wrap it up, dude. Like, Jesus Christ, you know? So, with that being said, um, 
I have already picked out the movies that I want you guys to watch. There is a theme to it this time. Very cool. Hooray. I don't think I've Hooray. actually seen either movie, too. Oh, you haven't either? Yeah. And I'm not. Uh-huh, interesting. <laughs> He's like, and I don't plan to. <laughs> so I'll reveal it to you guys individually after this, and uh, you'll see what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, is it going to be like last time where we, we don't know until until the day of the pod? Yeah, I like to keep it, and then I'll have two <clears> different ones, so you guys don't know which ones you're watching. So I think that's a little easier to do, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I gave you guys good ones last time. so I did. I enjoyed I it. I mean, I've only ever given you guys shitty ones like once on purpose. Fucking, <laughs> I think it was the first time, too. The fan, right? No, it was the second The years. fanatic yeah. or something or whatever the yeah, fuck the it fanatic. was. Oh, my God. With Moose. <laughs> Such a bad film. And then uh, one of you guys watched The Death of fucking, what's her name? I forgot the fuck it was. Anyways, moving on. That was the Oscars. Let's see what happens again next year. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, yeah. let me ask you, James uh, yeah. and Marco. Obviously, you know, the, the, the incident with Will Smith and Chris Rock happened, and we don't need to dissect it here because uh, yeah, uh, many other Twitter right? people who are yeah. very well qualified. <laughs> we we uh, got some pros works. looking at it, guys. Yeah. Some, some fucking yeah. real pros yeah. Every, everywhere. But um, what do you actually think about the Oscars itself? I mean, outside of that thing, like, uh, they had a big ratings bump. I think they get 56% increase yeah. viewership. Yeah, they were under more. 10 million last year. And now they're like a 15 plus. And I think most of it was some of that incident. F- but fights bring money in the bill. Yeah. Do you think there's a need for a show still to see it for next year? Like, do they need to continue doing this? I, I know it's I obviously mean, something for I, us, but I obviously like it, but I, I still prefer the format they had the year before where it was a lot more kind of intimate and like a uh, smaller venue. I think those are kind of the more, there was like no cringy shit last year, remember? And I like that. So yeah, there was no host either. They were all just presenters. Yeah. I still think they should have a host, right? But I think it should just be the Muppets, like I told Marco already. <laughs> they did uh, just, a, just bring them back. <laughs> bring the goddamn just Muppets a fucking, back. Just a mediator, I think. Because would, would Will Smith fine? have slapped Kermit? I'm just saying. Probably. <laughs> Keep your name out of my fucking mouth. Whoa, hold on have there, each Will. Muppet present. Hold on there, That'd Will. Be hilarious. <laughs> Big Bird comes Kermit out talks a lot of shit, dude. I don't know, man. He's got a <laughs> mouth on him. Out, Big Bird comes <laughs> out ready to fuck someone. Oh, hey, what's up, fuckhead? He's like flapping his wings. Yeah! <laughs> and Rolf is just on the too, piano. Bitch? He's just on the piano playing him off. I don't know. I, I, think, I agree, James. I think I like, the uh, the more intimate one kind of worked better. I like that, but the yeah. host doesn't need to like take so much away. I mean, yeah, they always go comedians because they kind of break up the stuff. But, I mean, fucking try just someone else for once, man. Yeah, Have Tom Holland fucking do it. It'd probably be fine. Let's give Kevin Hart a chance, guys, all right? I think he's fine. Let's bring him on. Don't worry about his past. <laughs> wow, Bill. I mean, he was supposed to do it last year, but... I know. The year right? before, right? So yeah. It's a dream of his. It Let's is let now. his dream live. How about... I don't know. Fuck. Have uh <laughs> And you know what? Have Who a, could you actually have a YouTuber do it host well? It? Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it yet, but like Lady Gaga is like one of the nicest people in the fucking world. From the apparently, like she was oh, I so saw. She's was really nice. kind she to like surprise and Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, dude, she's always be been told, about that. You could probably have Lady Gaga fucking doing. She'd probably oh, do she'd fine. do a straight up variety show. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like her outfits would be wild. Yeah, and the whole in thing a good is way. like she's pretty likable. I don't think a lot of people don't like Lady Gaga. Is what I'm getting at. So yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to be mean to someone in Liza Minnelli's position, though, you know, like, 
Yeah, but it's like she's. <laughs> it's like her her history be of like that to be mean and to like, her. like Tony Bennett and stuff like that. So she's you know, even the older crowd likes her. So it's like okay, well, yeah, true. It was nice. They caught true. her on she the hot mic. Like, on the hot mic, she's like, "I got you. Don't worry." Like, because you know, Liza Miller was not all there, right? You know. Yeah. And she yeah. was helping her out, like, "Hey, don't worry, I'll figure it out." Like, so I was like, oh, "That's nice of her." So. No, uh, it was really cool. No. Or that's, fucking that's Francis Ford really Coppola. How about that? I don't know. Dude, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Can, can we bring up that Godfather? Okay, so first of all, what was the point of having uh, Sean Combs over there presenting that? I mean, I guess I, I he know. liked the Godfather. I don't, I don't yeah. understand that. And, and then, then they didn't really talk about the movie when they came out with when De Niro and Pacino and, and Francis Ford Coppola. It's more or less celebrating the 50th like a, anniversary and just like, hey, you know. Yeah. They were just kind of acknowledging the film, and the, and, that, and that was the theme throughout the night, right? That they were having reunions of anniversaries. That's what of the whole point films. was. Of the, the <laughs> theme yeah. was, yeah. and that's why they had like, um, uh, Jesus Christ, what am I thinking? Tarantino film. Um, yeah, Pulp Fiction. Pulp, yeah, Fiction, Pulp yeah. Fiction. Pulp Fiction was out they there. Bond again. Yeah. Juno, all that stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. So, all right, guys, let's jump in. Speaking of Francis Ford Coppola, into our Francis Ford Coppola corner, which is actually our main review this week. You didn't think so, huh? Surprise. All right, so let's get into the Francis Ford Coppola Corner. All right, as you guys know, for the Francis Ford Coppola Corner, we always give you guys a little bit of trivia leading up into the next film. Our last film was the, uh, I want to say 1970, guys? Rain People? Yes. I sure. what year it was. The Rain People. Probably what year it was. Apologies on that one. I want to say it's 19, was it 1969, actually? What do you guys think? Yeah, 69. It's 69, isn't it? Yep. So our last film was The, the Rain People from 1969. And what happened to Francis Ford Coppola since then? So Coppola was at the forefront of a group of filmmakers known as the New Hollywood that emerged in the early 1970s with ideas that challenged conventional filmmaking. The group included Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, Terrence Malick, Robert Altman, Woody Allen, William Fredkin, Philip Kaufman, and George Lucas. Coppola co-wrote the script for Patton in 1970 along with Edmund H. North. This earned him his first Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. The release of The Godfather in 1972 was a cinematic milestone. The near three-hour-long epic received overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics and fetched Coppola the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay and Golden Globe Awards for Best Director and Best Screenplay. Wow. Coppola faced several difficulties while filming The Godfather. He was not Paramount's first choice to direct the film. Coppola did not initially want to direct the movie because he feared it would glorify the mafia and violence and thus reflect poorly on his Sicilian and Italian heritage. When Coppola hit upon the idea of making a film, a metaphor for American capitalism, he eagerly agreed to take the helm. There was disagreement between Paramount and Coppola on the issue of casting and Paramount not wanting Marlon Brando in the film. After its release, the film received widespread praise. It went on to win multiple awards, including the Academy Award for Best Picture. So let's move on now to our review of The Godfather. My father's no different than any other powerful man who's responsible for other people. I had this part in the picture. It puts me right back up on top again. This Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. He says there's no chance. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. You know my father? The men are coming here to kill him. 
Now you want to get mixed up in the family business? I thought you weren't going to become a man like your father. I never wanted this for you. Freedom, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Michael, do you renounce Satan and all his works? I do renounce him. Don't ask me about my business, Kate. Is it true? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. The Godfather, released in 1972, is currently sitting with a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. The story is about an aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty in post-war New York City, transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant youngest son. This is post-World War II. This is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Mario Puzo, who also um, helped write Superman and um, Francis Ford Coppola was also uh, a ghostwriter with the two. It was released in March, on March 24th in 1972. The full, now, big star cast. Uh, back then, not, not everybody was such a big uh, name. Starring, it's starring uh, Marlon Brando as Don Vito Corleone. Al Pacino as Michael. James Caan as Sonny. Talia Shire as Connie. John Cazale as Fredo. Diane Keaton as Kay Adams. Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, Richard Kant as Barzini, Al Latieri as Solozo, Av Vigodo as Tessio, and Lenny Montana as Luca Brasi. Sorry, every time kind, the names for kind of went easy on the bill this time. <laughs> yeah, I went Italian <laughs> a little this bit. Time. So let's start with you, James. Let me get your take since um, I know you're, you're a big fan, of course, of this one as well. What is your history with The Godfather? I'm, I'm assuming you've seen this before. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I want to say the first time I saw it was like in probably this is probably one of those movies I saw in high school, if I remember correctly, when I was like trying to watch all the big name movies for people in reference to like senior year, probably. And then I remember yeah. when it came out on so like two years ago. Yeah, fuck you, man. Marco was there when this released, so he was there on opening day. He was outside smoking a cigarette and he came in. He's like, the fucking movie start, <laughs> middle row seat, baby. <laughs> Got his tickets up still for The Godfather, though. The Coppola restoration came out on Blu ray like 10 15 years ago, and I remember that's when I like first right. time I saw it in like um HD at least, too. So, mm-hmm. but what about uh, you, Marco? Oh, sorry, real quick, but honestly, oh, like I, I never watched it as like a kid or anything. I don't think I would have been able to probably sit through. Three-hour long movie as a kid, so. Okay, man, chill. No, without the attention span. Put the gun down, bro. Jeez. <laughs> what, what about you, Marco? What's your history with the film? Well, when I saw the movie, movie tickets cost $1.75. That's too pricey. So Popcorn was cents. 50 cents. And a little piece of candy was 10 cents. I had a middle row seat. Cigar-filled room. Smell of marijuana everywhere. A man next to me in a paper bag opened up a nice cold beer. Gave me a sip and that dud me over. I'm just kidding. No. I saw this motherfucker in high school also. 
as James did. I don't I don't think I ever attempted or tried to watch it as a kid. I know my parents would, but I just sort of ignored it and went to go play video games or something. Yeah, I I, I initially really liked it. I I didn't know it was going to be so long. So uh, obviously when I uh, put the VHS in, you know, in the good old VCR, because uh, when I was in high school, we still used VHS. So um, pop that that fucker in. It was one of those dual VHSs too, those doubles. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, it's a long movie. Oh, intermission. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Boy. It did have a little intermission. So uh, I liked it, man. I thought it was a really well-told, well-acted story. I was like, oh, man, people are actually acting really good in this movie. They're not, you know, overacting like they do in, like, the 50s or 60s movies. They're actually pretending like they're other people, not caricatures of other people. So, you mean uh, Italians? Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> I, was, I was impressed, man. I was, I was uh, surprised at how violent it was, too. Um, but uh, overall, how... Well, you really enjoyed following these characters in the movie and watching them, you know, grow as the movie progressed. So that's my experience. Yeah. What yeah, about you, Nabil? I, I don't think I remember seeing this in school. I do remember seeing it on TV. So when I first watched it, it was on probably like cable with, you know, one of like USA or TNT or something like that. Way I think back it was. When. I think it used to be on one of those channels like all the time. T- TNT yeah. for sure. Like yeah, that, that, that might have been, been it, yeah. the first time I saw it too, to tell you the truth. Because I yeah. remember I used to record stuff off the TV all the time, and I remember it was they would play the trilogy like all the time. They would, yeah. That mm-hmm. and like Scarface, they're like Scarface on Saturday, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna see that. <laughs> that one I did see, yeah, as a kid. Yeah, but that that was probably one of the first time I've watched it. I I didn't really want. I I know I didn't watch the unedited versions of the of like the full original screenings until i got the blu-ray versions as well james like yeah um you did when they they came out and i got to see the uh the film in all its glory uncut so that that was a great experience then but yeah um probably around uh, when we watch it on on cable so uh mark we got a little bit of your feedback on what you thought about the film what about you james uh, what were what do you feel about this film now watching it especially again in 4k i i People have asked me, like, what do you think is, like, a perfect film, right? And I think, like, The Godfather is just about there for me. Like, I, I really liked it. Uh, as as DeBill mentioned, um, we uh, I want to say we all saw it. Yeah, we all saw it in 4K. It just was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, this oh, all yeah, dude. coincided, like, perfectly. The 50th anniversary of this movie just happened, as you can tell. Uh, if you look at the date that DeBill <laughs> just brought up, that's 50 years ago. So Completely uh, unplanned. Yeah, it just kind of it kind of fell the perfectly. Francis Ford Coppola podcast, and we know what we're doing here, guys. Yeah, Nabil <laughs> yeah. was like, "Rush it, we got to get through it." God damn it, we have to hit this week, and I was like, "It landed perfectly." So, uh, Coppola came back, and he he he. This is a director approved 4K version, he, Dolby Vision, and everything. This is uh, the best movies ever looked. I always I always I remember you were say the... Coppola gave me a call and he said, "Hey boys, <laughs> go for it, do it, move pals." <laughs> Come on, pal. He's like, I got you on the red phone right now. What's going on, boys? Um, because notoriously, those first few shots I remember were always really fucking dark, like they blindingly were. dark. And I was like, what's going on in this fucking room, man? And now you can actually can't see, see the outlines of people's stuff. I was like, oh, nice. I can actually see the fuck's going on. Um, I think it's, I thought it was great. I think it's um, 
well acted, some beautiful shots. For a movie that's three hours long, I, I don't mind it for this one. It's just because, like Marco said, you follow these characters, especially, I mean, obviously the story is really, if you were to check one character, it's really Michael that you're following, right? It's his, mm-hmm. it's yeah. his rise, you know? It's his and, origin. Um, it's crazy to, I forgot how young Al Pacino is in this movie, man. When he's in that first shot of the uh, handsome voice. devil. Yeah. I was like, what is young Marco doing here again? What's he wearing an army Hello, uniform guy. for? That's my daddy. It's okay. It looks a little too big for him. What the fuck? Yeah. But it's like uh, purposely, it's trying to make you see like he's like, there's a lot of like like brilliant shit in this movie. Like, for instance, yeah, the, the his stuff looks too t- big on him, right? But it's like to show you that he doesn't belong, right? And he doesn't look good until he's wearing like a mafioso suit and shit. And I was like, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. So different camera angles too to make his stature look bigger. Yeah, he's like frail in the beginning, and by the end, you're like Michael becomes someone who you fear. You know, like holy fuck, mm-hmm. like, he's yeah. not the same character. Um, mm. I know I'm going too long, but I love Robert Duvall in this movie too, man. Really like his character. It's just so random, like Tom Hagen, is especially a character. when he's not a you know an assaulter. <laughs> oh, so let's, <laughs> let's check out our last of our the rain people, but um, this is. Some cool ass fucking things, man. Even like um Frito in this one, right? Played by John Cazal. So as we know, like we saw him rec- before, uh, you know, on the Deer Hunter, and he only made like five movies before dying of brain cancer, right? So Yeah. Um, and I think he was like damn near nominated like every movie but this one, like he got nominated for, so it just shows you, even it was though such a small part in this film, he yeah. he wasn't as prevalent. I, in the I film. kept thinking he had a bigger role, but I I keep because I think it's the way the that I used one. to watch it was like mm-hmm. one and two back to yeah. back. Because he has a much, I mean, as you guys know, if you recall, he has a much more prevalent role in a bigger scene that happens in the second one as well. So right, um, just that too. It's just a ton of people, and I didn't realize that Talia Shire, who plays Connie, is uh, Francis Ford Coppola's sister. So that's oh, Adrian from Rocky. I didn't man. know that. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't I know, know that. they were related. Yeah, that's his sister. So now you know. Uh, yo, Adrian. Yeah, I, I, I agree, dude. I, especially in, in 4K, it looked fucking fantastic. Dude, didn't some of the wedding scenes look like they shot it? Like, if someone told you, if you didn't know, like they shot this like two weeks ago, they'd be like, okay. Yeah, dude, yeah, good. just the close ups of the face, the detail on them. How everything looks so clear. I'm like, it looks so fucking clean. Wow. Dude, Vito's like flower on his fucking in the wedding scene, the red flower. The, like, Jesus Christ, dude. This the the, the the horse scene when when they go to oh, Walt's studio and then his his house <laughs> and uh for some reason I don't know if it was because I was just so enamored with the 4K look, but some scenes looked like you know, like they had like some extra like time to them or something like this scene oh feels like it's a little bit longer Marco was like, but george lucas make a special edition of this movie. <laughs> i was like his boy george's room's like make this one a little longer <laughs> george movie's already three hours long it's okay uh this is where Scorpio and r2d2 can show up in the background <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll add it in myself. Don't worry. You think uh, you think we could put a pod race in here somewhere? Did you guys know that George Lucas did the scene where um the the newspaper stuff is all coming up? Like that's a special effect scene, and it shows you like the highlights of all the. And ILM doing it. Yeah. Uh. No. George Lucas himself specific. ILM wasn't existing yet, bro. He did that scene as a favor to him (laughs) because uh, he owed Coppola like a lot of money because uh, THX had bombed so bad. 
So he did that scene for oh. just to like cut it and let edit me, it correctly. So let me pay you. Let me pay you back with my skulls. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> I made it a little longer too. So uh, just how, we, did, we didn't we didn't feel that. Just tucked in. What if it's Michael okay. went to space? Don't worry, I, I used my hands as the characters' shadows to new effect I'm using. Sorry. We're not even drinking, guys. We're just. This is test time. I know. He's just I'm drinking zero. <laughs> no, spe- speaking of Can newspaper, that's that scene Can where. You tell we love Georgia. <laughs> The the scene where uh, Michael and Kay are walking, and it's right after the the Godfather Don Corleone gets shot, and she's talking to him. And you see the look on her face. The camera pans over, and they walk past the newsstand, and then all of a sudden, her face is completely different. Is always one of my favorite yeah. scenes. Um, it just shows just how talented of a director Francis Ford Coppola can be with showing so much. It's such a simple scene. I was like, oh shit, we, man! We I love gotta this mention scene. too. What a jump from the rain people to this, right? Yeah. Yeah, Holy it's not. Shit, it was not. Uh, like, I mean, it's not an easy film to master in itself, and the you really had to have that vision put together to to put <clears throat> to put the story all like together and nicely knit and almost like there's almost like no there's no fucking filler. It's a, it's a three hour long movie, but every every scene has a purpose, has meaning. Uh, ha- it, it it shows you something. It, you learn something about the characters, and he he just did such a great job at telling the fucking story so well let, let's talk about that a little well, bit Nabil, before we do to... that we haven't asked your opinion too obviously what did you uh, think you know, I was transitioning into it oh okay I just wanted That's to be right. like hey no, sorry we're fine. talking over you but George is like I just saw pulls dick out I'm like he's George, ready George just gave me a heads up <laughs> George really um, <laughs> make sure the Indian guy speaks through <laughs> oh okay sorry sorry George we want a little inclusivity in this one that's why the prequels uh, I, you know reason make sure why, to hire a lot of the reason why Anakin people. and Padme love each other so much is because the force um <laughs> okay George okay um what he's he's always supposed to be nine years old so close to <laughs> I couldn't couldn't get Luke to be that young couldn't find the actor back in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, man! Do you think do you think we could add few more effects in this scene? The, the Wookiees come from the planet Kashyyyk, so I mean, like trees, you know. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Nabil. Where are we? <laughs> his, his name's Nabil, but that doesn't make him Nubian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to Bill. I'm sorry. Cry. It is hundred percent sober us, by the way. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Nabil. What you what you think about it, Godfather? <laughs> So, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying, too. And I think the only added point I'd really want to make for the film itself was in regards to um, just seeing what he could bring with with the actors as well. There isn't a lot of um, unintentional dialogue. There's a lot of focus on people's faces and, you know, their their emotions towards something. You can you know that Sonny is is a, a 
is very hard headed and also very you know has an anger issue though he wants the best for his family without I, seeing having to linger too much yeah. with them arguing with people or yelling at them like it's it's very much very I deliberate he died right earlier there. by the way in the movie so did i yeah for I some reason was i was like i thought he dies like an hour in. i was like dude he makes it to almost the end i was like oh okay yeah yeah so uh, Mike, Michael doesn't have a lot to say either in the film, you know, but each, especially the scene where he um, is basically going in to take care of Salaso, you know, in the restaurant scene, that in itself is very much like a, um, a, a lot of just emotion, just watching his face as it transforms, seeing the anger that's building up and then what he does and how he leaves the building. Um, it's just that that kind of film is is not easy to kind of make you know just to mm-hmm. get the kind of the emotions that are going through over there and and like you kind of said james with it being a near perfect film i think part of it is that this is a film that when you watch it you're expecting maybe something like a scorsese-esque now to think of a mafia film and and how they kind of glorify some of more of the violence in this film it's not really about that there is a central message as vin diesel would say it's about family right (laughs) and it really would give his left hand to be in this movie (laughs) well more than that i think um you know what's crazy too is like Coppola was like my—he was my age when he directed this movie. Oh yeah, he's very young. Yeah. This, yep. this is the movie that the nail in the coffin for like my life. Like, oh, there you go. And like, Marlon Brando was a <laughs> Marlon like Brando was like a very well-known actor at the time, but also notoriously difficult to work with. So like, they had to yeah. take out like an insurance policy on him in case he didn't show up to film and shit. And the right. fact that like a thirty-three-year-old. Um, Coppola was able to like handle like legendary actor Marlon Brando shows a lot too. Like he knows how to use the actors and actresses in ways without like belittling yeah. them and shit. You know, so. And, and I saw and, a scene. There was an interview with Coppola that I saw recently about talking specifically about Marlon Brando and how he was able to give him give him direction. And he basically said, "I didn't have to give him direction. I said I gave him his creative freedom. I told him, you know, basically kind of what we needed up front, and then everything else he did himself. And he felt that he did that with a lot of the actors, where it was more, you have the script, I've set the scene." do what you do best kind of situation trusted the actors to do what they wanted with it and in the case of marlon brando he he delivered and was able to have his room to to do you know to act and it, rather it shows than being given specific notes yeah it, it shows with the actors because their their performances are just great it feels natural you believe that they're a family and i always talk about that about being immersed into the movie and actually seeing these That'd people for right. the characters not the actors and yeah. <clears throat> going back to what you said nabil about the scene where where michael uh shoots Slotso, it's basically his it's the catalyst of his transformation and like i i don't know if it was you or james i was saying that yeah like at the beginning michael's just so insignificant barely even there no say says very little and you he's see like, him like emerge a, he's a more and more character almost he's just yeah, like, yeah. You, you you see him emerge more and more and more and more yeah. until boom he becomes the the head of the family and it's just it it it's such an un if if you're not familiar with the movie it's such an unforeseen transformation you're like we're we're not we're totally away from where we were at the beginning and it's great and it's yeah. such a satisfying feeling yeah it's also one of those things too where in the movie itself with um like like the brotherhood you feel, you really feel it like when even when like sunny goes to when he finds out that um their sisters getting like beat up and shit, you know? 
And oh it's yeah, like, it's very believable that he like th- it's like one shot of him talking to her. The next shot, he's on the street. The guy's chilling, and then Sonny shows up, and he's just fucking like an animal. You know what I mean? Just yeah. lights him up, beating the or, shit or, out of the guy in the street in the when, middle, of, and people are staring at him too. And he's like, oh, so. And when it, or when him and Michael say goodbye before Michael has to leave to Italy, and it's like that's that's the last time he sees his brother alive, and just yeah. that that hug that they give each other, man, it's just like ah, oh, gets you in the feels. Well, and that's what I mean by the sense that this film is is different from other mobster films. This is really like talking about what the purpose of what the mafia was when they came from Italy and migra- the Italians migrated over here, and they kind of brought that sense of the order that they didn't have in Italy. You know, there's a lot of lawlessness during that time, and they built these kind of mafia style families um, as their kind of law. You know, of how they can their sense of. I mean, some of it was obviously wrong. They're very violent, but at the same time, it was their way of finding order and and justice in ways that that they couldn't trust uh, the government and the police to do. Mm-hmm. So they brought that back to the states, and it was portrayed in that. Sense. I mean, you feel for the characters. You you want you root for some of them. You know, they're doing bad things, but. You know, it's not the same thing as thinking of like a, a Joe Pesci or Robert De Niro in some of the Scorsese films where, you know, like these are just bad people doing bad things. Like you, you think that the, their intent for the most part is good. And especially this family who's not trying to get into the drug business and penalty things are, they're going into gambling, they're going to women, they're going into some other illegal stuff, but maybe lesser of the evils in a certain extent. And it's, all this is kind of a combination of how you, how they're being portrayed and you feel for every single one of these characters you shouldn't because they are bad but you do you actually feel like you know that there's there's something to care about for each one of them it's like it's like you said it's almost it's like a metaphor for capitalism where it's you know at at times it can chew you up and spit you up and and destroy families at times you know like it's you you know that's why you care about them yeah i'm sorry james no no echoing off that marco like that's exactly the couple i wanted to do this movie because it shows you what capitalism itself and what trying to get success through their lives destroys them ultimately and, and it transforms mm-hmm. you into the monster that you don't want to become. And one thing I do want to mention is like, for God's sake, this movie's 50 years old and it's still like really well done. You know, it's not like, yep. cause we see a lot of, we've seen a lot of older films and we're like, Oh, there's a lot, a lot of this shit's really dated and blah, blah. blah. This one is like uh-huh. the one that I can say that no, this movie, like it works still, man. Like, because I think it mm-hmm. also because it's set as a period piece too. It came out in the seventies, but yeah. it takes place in from what the late forties, forty-five to fifty-five. Yeah, for, I think uh, is roughly what it 45 is. Forty-five to fifty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that helps, mm-hmm. and not to mention just perfect soundtrack, fucking everything, man. So it has that iconic fucking Godfather theme song. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so jumping into some more of the the specific points of, of the film that really kind of help bring it all together you know there's there's a lot of different things that all blend together to really make this film impactful um i think primarily the score though right the soundtrack that iconic theme song that you hear um at any time i think even people that haven't seen the film they can hear the the, the strings come up in the film and they'll suddenly just yeah. know what movie it's being recommended you know what it is. <laughs> how did you guys think like re-watching this now um what did you think about the music here? Like, does it resonate for you still? Uh, Marco, what what were your thoughts on that? I think it's iconic. Kind of like James was saying, the the music is the, the movie, excuse me, is scored perfectly. The, the, the music is, it, it, it flows and meshes well hand in hand with the story, with the characters and with what the story is trying to portray. And I, I, there's some scores that like, you know, take, take away from the movie or that, you know, may not exactly, 
match to what the tone and, and the feeling of the movie. And, and I think this is one where where it does. I don't I don't know if George maybe talked into Francis's ear and was like, it's the music, you know, you gotta <laughs> the, the music has to mirror, you know, it's like it's like poetry, you know. Uh but uh but <laughs> it it just works. Um I I don't think there was any moment where I'm like, this song doesn't fit here, this music doesn't go there. Even the wedding song, like it, I don't know if that's a, a, a traditional Italian song for for weddings, but it, if it is, it kudos. Is, yeah. Yeah, so they actually sang it on site too, so mm-hmm. which is which is fucking awesome. I was uh, getting into it. I was all like, "Yeah, let's, I need to go to a wedding." That, the, that whole party the, the, reminded the, me of like, uh, um, like Filipinos have big ass weddings and parties. I was yeah. like, "This feels like the a, Latinos too." That's what I yeah. mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I didn't want to yeah. say, but uh, yeah. So yeah. I was like, "This reminds me a lot of like a real like." I guess uh, behind the scenes, he legitimately. For the wedding scene, just to let you know, just to make it realistic, he he just let people do whatever they wanted on that, and then he had key scenes that he just, just had to film yeah. during the thing, like when uh, Mike's talking to Kane and stuff like that. That is like, okay, we have to mm-hmm. set the shot up. But he little those people in the background literally actually just in a party, like doing a party. That's why it feels so uh, natural. So that's fucking genius. Yeah. But yeah, even even this scene where where Mike is at the the hospital and he sees there's no one there protecting his dad after his dad gets shot. The music is so intense and just sets the tone and the mood where he's just kind of waiting to see if if uh if like the hitmen are going to come to finish off his dad or anything, you know, and he's just there chilling with with a fucking baker and they're just Isn't ready that to so like random? Yeah. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, He's like, funny. I'm the kick yeah. man. <laughs> he legitimately actually does look like one of my uncles. Not going to fucking lie. I'm like, what's my fucking Uncle Fabio doing there? Jesus fucking He's Christ. Like, it's okay. He's, He's like, like, all right, but you got to give me a butt light, though. Come on. Are you he guys know these guys? <laughs> Pretend they got guns and shit on them and shit? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think the music worked in, in a nutshell, Nabil. Well, and, and uh, moving on from that too, James, what about um, the overall acting and thoughts? I know we touched a little bit on some of the characters there, but how did you feel um, about seeing, especially some of the for the first time? I was like, Al Pacino is not a really big name there. James Caan is still relatively new. Um, Robert Duvall too. Is, I mean, Robert Duvall had done already a few films at that point, but like, what are your thoughts on just seeing some of these actors really kind of bringing those characters to life? It's great, man. Everybody is really good in this fucking movie. I mean, obviously, the biggest one I know, not a newcomer, but, you know, Marlon Brando is, like, performance, like, legendary performance in here. I think if anybody ever says The Godfather, it's the first thing you think of, you know, is uh, Vito Corleone. And um, James Caan's great. Like I said, he, he conveys, like, that all that anger and stuff. And even his death scene, I forgot that's the way that it happens, that he's actually tricked into going that way, mm-hmm. you know? Because of his sister and the guy fucking knows, and but I mean Michael makes sure he figures that out by the end, you know. So it's just solid yeah. shit. Even like Luca Brasi's character, he's like this big dumb guy that's like a hitman. I don't know why, but I fucking like that guy. Uh, Dude, like he's way, so scary, loyal, though. very intimidating. Yeah. Did yeah. you know? Here's another trivia. When he's talking to Marlon Brando, he flubs that line. Uh, when he's talking, yeah. he he repeats it. That's an actual fuck up. He messed up the line, but Francis Ford Coppola liked it, oh, so he kept worked. it in. And then he added later the scene where he's practicing to make it look like, oh, he doesn't. Oh, he added that afterwards because okay. he already fucked up the line. So he's like, oh, I'm making it because he's nervous to talk to him and stuff. So just shit like okay. that, man. That's awesome. 
It's just like a little touch, you know? Like, oh, he's like, it's more realistic than a guy. Because obviously he's like a man of few words, you know? Wedding, so. sorry. <laughs> I hope your first son is my masculine son, man, or something. <laughs> that that is my brother great. and I, because I watched it with my brother, and uh, <clears throat> we were nice. talking about it, dude. That is one loyal dude. Like, yeah. one fucking loyal dude, which, yeah, it's it's just like, he, he'll definitely, like, murder anyone for you. <laughs> oh, he basically tells him, like, hey, I need oh, you yeah. to go down and go do this. And the guy's like, all right. So he's like, yeah. oh, shit, man. So... That's why. Well, and I, I know we've kind of already talked quite a bit about the plot, but let's just just as a central theme in regards to uh, Michael's evolution throughout the film, and not only Michael but Vito Corleone and his his footing in the business and essentially exiting out. What what do you think about that dynamic of seeing? Um, and I'll put this question to you, James, in regards to seeing like the father who is in in charge of this whole family, very well respected. Everybody is is a follower in here, but um, trying to have to now take a step back, um, some kind of kind of by force, but also um, because of the change, and now involving a son who wasn't planned to be there and and wasn't equipped to be there, like taking over and seeing those two very different personalities somehow, you know, yeah. work in, in a way that it is. I think it's I think it's well done. It's really well done. I, I, you know, it's. He never actually wants Michael to be part of the the family business. You know what I mean? He's part of the family, obviously, but he doesn't want him doing the same stuff as him. That's why he's really proud of him for, you know, being like a war hero and all this stuff too. And you know, because technically, Sonny takes over when uh, he gets shot. You know, like Sonny is—he's the oldest, right? So he becomes the head of it all. But then after Sonny's killed, Mike—that's what enables Michael to like—he has to come back home from Italy. Not to mention, then, I mean, the tragedy with, like, his wife there and that whole side story is, like, fucked up. So, it's like, oh, my God, right? So, mm. like, basically showing him, like, you're not safe anywhere. So, like, go back home and you got to just rise up, take the mantle. And it's it's kind of funny, though, because, like, Frito is technically the second oldest. But, like, Frito is such a fuck up. But, um, yeah, even, like pass over. I'm like, I was expecting dude, him to be Like, dude, when Vito gets shot, like, oh, man, Frito, that's his character, bro. He's just, like, fumbled dude. With the fucking. I was yeah. just yelling at the TV. I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. Fucking fire, right? Like, shoot these motherfuckers, yeah. right? At least one fucking shot. Dude, they're blasting. He got shot like five fucking times, dude. I'm like, good God. So, and he's just standing there. Even the, even the shooters don't even fuck with them. They're like, this guy's nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> So and I think that's Michael even knows that, and that's why his rise to power, like, like my, uh, like Marco said, like from the point where he gets hit by that police chief, basically, is like he's already made his decision, like what he's got to do. All right. So, and then Marco, just to touch a little bit more on the plot here, what do you think about the women in the film? You know, we've got some strong characters there, like we were talking about Eva Godi. We've also got Diane Keaton's character. Like, what what are your thoughts about how they were being portrayed and and you know their position in the family? I. Really did like uh, Diane Keaton because she, I mean, she's kind of is at the beginning there for for Michael and you know kind of waiting for him, but then she kind of like she she moves on for a while and continues her life. You know, she's not. I like how he had to like in a way win her back because she had moved on when he comes back from Italy and everything. And yeah, it's kind of fucked up that he got married over there and comes back and gets married over here. <laughs> But, but I think I mean, that I like think he, from that perspective, I think he genuinely fell in love though, right? 
Yeah, and he, he wasn't expecting to come back anytime soon, and was especially expecting that relationship to be over, like, because he knew he was moving on in that family. He needed an heir. You know? He yeah. needed an heir. Because, I mean, he, he initially already says, I want to have a family, I want to have babies, I want to have children. I'm like, mm, there we go. But um, I like how also, she was kind of resistful at first. I was like, you kind of shoved me to the side, and you, like, why do you want me back? Like, I, I really like that it wasn't just like, oh, you're back, Michael, I'm going to go back to you. And it was different for, you know, for that era, at least. He kind of does show I back liked, up, though, he, and he's like, I'm going to marry you right now. I mean, he kind of does. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay, my bad. I, even, uh, even Connie. What about his me, sister? Yeah, Connie. Uh, Connie, you know she she at least stands up a little bit to uh, to what's his face uh, to her fucking husband Carl, and you know yeah he ends up being the shit out of her, but at least she freaking like cussed back at him and you know called him a fucking asshole and cursed them in Italian and shit. Um, she ends up surviving, obviously because you know michael kills her her husband but still um i thought she was really well no i thought she was she wasn't like 100 percent defenseless she tried to at least stand up to carl and um unfortunately he was a piece of shit and he was uh and then finally i just want to talk a little bit about the shots itself we were we've been just focusing a lot in the last uh few films with francis ford coppola on him developing his signature getting his craft right playing around with different little shots with the camera this, I feel like, has come to fruition of everything that he's practiced on, and he's really been able to to perfect his his visuals. That I, I mean, I can't really think of a, a misstep from the from like we were talking about the emotional um, scenes where you could see the characters' emotion on their face and the reactions there to just the landscapes of Italy, you know, of uh, and or the the cityscape of of New York in some areas, you know, like those. Those scenes were so um, so well placed, well shot, and kept moving the film forward without making me feel like it shot, was shot um, on uh, location too. By the way, which I think makes a big deal, it, right? Yeah, it does. It makes a big deal. There's not a lot of sounds. There's, I don't know if there was a lot of sound stage at all um, for these films. Like it all really set a really good tone for the film on what was going on, um, and I I don't know if. I don't know if there's a lot of films that are able to kind of capture all that on camera with every, with, especially with the cast, like all the different personalities supposed to be there and make you feel so enthralled and with the family that's a part of that, you know, just feeling like you're included in the conversation there. Uh, James, do you have any thoughts on just the visuals as a whole? And then I know oh, now, yeah. that this, of course, that is in 4K. There's some, there's some beautiful shots in this movie. Uh, we talked about the dark scenes. are They're set up purposely very dark just to kind of show you like, it's like a like Marco said. It's shot in a way to make it look more menacing. Like, hey, these guys are in the cover of darkness or surrounded by darkness, and they're doing shady dealings while in like the office. And it's complete contrast to the brightly knit, lit, uh, super colorful wedding out that's twenty feet outside the door, right? And um, right. there's a, there's a particular shot I really liked where uh, the cannoli scene, basically, but right before they get to the um, those, I guess it's with the cornfields or some shit, but. Right. Before they get there, they're actually driving underneath like the bridges and stuff like that. And there's all these shadow effects. It looks I really like that a lot. So I thought it's mm-hmm. it's it's shot perfectly. So all right. So now we've talked a lot about what we liked about this film, and I don't know if we have any real examples, <laughs> but I do want to get some thoughts of there was if there was anything that we felt we didn't like about the movie or or something that we wanted to see more or less of. And I'll go to you, Marco. Was was there anything that you felt like now nah, we didn't need this or we should have we should have cut this out? 
If I really need to nitpick, I would say there's there's probably two things in the plot, like or in the storytelling. One is the the time jumps. You kind of have to just pay attention and realize time has passed. Would you, you have know? liked a title card? Spe- maybe just like a little time stamp somewhere. Yeah, maybe because something because uh, you know Michael's in Italy and he comes back and he says, you know, I've been back a little over a year. I was like, word. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but that's 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 one nitpick really i mean obviously if you're if you're paying attention to the story you know it's not going to hold your hand you just kind of have to pay attention and, and listen to the dialogue and it'll tell you you know what's what just like real life another thing is the whole look of Bratzi thing like i was talking about my brother actually brought this up we were talking about this and we we're like there's it was kind of like a uh kind of a mistake on don corleone's side sending luca brazzi over i I mentioned it already he's one of the most loyal guys to the family there's there's just no way those guys would have believed that he would have betrayed don corleone i think like he was just he was loyal to the t the first story that michael tells k includes luca brazzi holding a gun to someone's head ready to blow his brains out just because he won't release someone from a contract so that i mean but that's that's a nitpick really Uh, aside from that i mean the movie is fucking flawless what about uh, from your part, James? Anything that you felt um, didn't work here? If anything, I kind of agree. I wish there was. Uh, I don't know, but that's kind of holding your hand. I, I, that's the whole point. Like, I, I agree that the the time jumps. It it like when he's like, I've been back a year. I was like, I thought you just got back, dude. Like, fuck, like, he's, he's been back <laughs> yeah. for dude. a year. So I was like, oh, okay, and you just kind of roll with it, I guess. But it would have been nice to have been like one year later. Then I'm like, oh, okay. But once again, nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my only thing would be, uh, and we obviously get a lot more of that in the next film, but for this film, I would have liked to get a little bit more of Fredo. Um, there's just, a, just, there, yeah, okay. I was going to say, there's there's, know, a, there's a reason behind that, though. There is, yeah. And yeah. and once you go into the next film, you don't feel that way anymore. But just for this <laughs> like, film a as a standalone. Less, please. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, basically yeah. every time he shows up in this movie, like he's not in like a good light ever. If you think no, about not it. at all. And I'd like, like to just see the dynamic. Like, you don't well, talk I'm- to a man like Mo Green like that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see his dynamic with his father a little bit more because the only real instance we have with him in there is is essentially the scene where he's supposed to be protecting, you know, is the, the lookout for him. Um, and then after that, he gets shipped off to Vegas and then we get to see a little bit from what's happened over there. So, you know, just a little bit, I think, pretext from before just to see but where his almost, stature is with the family. It's almost brilliantly yeah. done because it's already giving you a heads up for, like, the second movie. Like, right. mm-hmm. like Frito, is, his alliance is not with the family. Like, he's defending a guy not of the family. Like, just remember that. That's right. what they're trying to, like, show you. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So, but that was, I would say that'd be my only quip on it. Otherwise, yeah, agreed. Like, the film's essentially flawless at this point so it only gets up done i think by the next film but we'll see what happens there so speaking of coppola's past films as well that we've seen so far uh any specific thing we want to call out as far i mean it's very evident that he's made a near perfect film so i'd say he's perfected his craft at this point at least up to from the previous films but is there anything specific we want to say that is like you know, he's really shown improvement somewhere. Uh, and I'll start with you, James, just in that point. Like, is there anything that you felt this was I, just I mean, the a ni- big standout? Yeah, the nice thing here is, like, the next, like, four films we're going to watch from him are, like, arguably his golden era. Like, so you're yeah. going to see someone, like, we're going to watch some of the greatest movies, like, in cinematic history, arguably, you know? Because George helped them for most of these, from what I heard. So. 
say what you what you gotta do here is you gotta put a laser blast a little more to the right. Uh, the TIE fighters are actually Taiwanese, so um, I just wanted you to know that's a Viet Cong kind of thing. Not a big deal. If you if you shoot a proton torpedo at it, it should it should blow on fire, baby. Anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, he just got better at everything. Like, literally. He did. But I, I feel like, yeah. from what we've seen, just his um, ability with, like, even, like, everything to, like, leading up to this has shown you, like, Finian's Rainbow is a huge cast, so he knows how to deal with a huge cast, and uh, The Rain People is his first serious movie, you know? Not a comedy or a horror film, and this is his second serious movie, and then he wrote Patton before this, so he got better at writing. So, like, everything just, it's like a Madden rating. Like, he went from, like, a 82 to, like, a 99 for this one, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, anything on your end, Marco, in regards to just Coppola growing as a director or a filmmaker? I think, yeah, I think it shows that he refined his crafts, the way he shoots the film, the way he tells the story, the way he focuses on on the characters. There's, there's, yeah, maybe some some of the family is is off in the background, but every character where they're when they're on screen, they're great. You're interested in what they have to say. You're enthralled in the scene. And I think we've seen that evolution in his last two movies. You know, even though some of the previous ones weren't perfect, you see him take what he's learned from those and what he's done, uh, at least the good parts, and just expand on that. And in return, we get The Godfather, which is fucking spectacular. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have anything more to add to that. You guys have nailed that that he's there's nothing more uh nothing more to say he's just perfected his craft okay so let's talk about our rating what did we think about this film what did we rated from one to five um and of course would you recommend this film i would say you probably would but <laughs> let me start with you marco what did you give this film out of five stars five stars dude five stars yeah it's it's a fucking classic dude it's a fantastic film i think it helps bring the modern mafia movie onto the big screen and inspires so many movies after that it's, in fact you know so so many comedies have spoofed it you know in in passing so it just so it shows that um its legacy still goes on uh, i would recommend it to uh, anyone who's a fan of film uh anyone who wants to watch a fucking great movie and if you're a fan of uh, al pacino and his early work uh you're a fan of fuck any them anybody in this cast then uh check it out and of course if you like mafia movies check it out that's more than two yeah what about you james what was your rating uh so my rating for this film uh i agree with marco it's five it's five out of five this is a fantastic movie if you've never seen it you're doing yourself a disservice check out this movie like especially right now is possibly the best version of this movie that's ever come out now that it's in yeah. 4K, like we're not joking. If you have the ability to watch it in 4K, like don't don't get the Blu-ray. Go out and go get the 4K or buy the 4K version somehow. Whatever you got to do, because it is it is worth it to watch it in 4K. 100. Yeah. So. Uh, and same here. Five stars, hands down. There's the the film is a must see for anybody who's a film lover. You know, not even if you're not a fan of Mob's films, you will watch this film and be a fan of it because it's not like anything else you've seen. It's not like some of the more modern mafia takes. This is this is very, uh, I think, still an original type film, a mobster film, and kind of sets the bar for that. And there's a reason why it's a classic, and it's a reason why uh, 
Francis Ford Coppola is is a master at his craft because of this film. So recommend it for all to watch. All right, guys, that is our end of our review of The Godfather. Thank you for listening. Uh, feedback, response, and reviews. Marco, let them know how they can reach us and possibly a new way to listen to us. I have no idea what this man is talking about. I don't even know who he is. Sir, who are you? And uh, how did you get on my computer? I'm just kidding. I'm George Lucas. I'm the director of Star Wars. (laughs) He's at your house. He's just just there. He's holding a a fucking puppet of Chewbacca. He's telling my mom why white screen's better than full screen. On Facebook, Instagram. (laughs) Or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. Also, if you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, smash that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Uh, One major announcement, as James was saying, is that we are officially on Amazon Music, available to stream for free, just like all the other platforms we just named. We're very proud of this. Uh, It's... It's been many years strong going with all you guys listening to us ramble about movies and George Lucas and <laughs> a bunch of other fucking references. And we appreciate you guys. Um, it wasn't easy, but uh, over the years, we've uh, we got into Spotify. We got into Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. I and now we're officially on Amazon Music. And I thank you guys. Thank you for yeah, following thank us. You. Thank you for your continued support. We really appreciate it. Um, We've conquered the internet. We're everywhere. I, I <laughs> want to say now that we are on Amazon Music, we're on every single platform now. That was the last yeah, big right. one that took. I'd apply like three times Years. to get us into it. Just so you know. So like, because they used to have a separate thing, and then they got rid of it, and then we were taken off of that, and then we were trying to get back on it, and then Amazon Music's really fucking anal about shit. So yeah, but I mean, here we are. So. We made it. So there's no excuse now. You guys can listen to us on any one of these fucking platforms. Rate us, review us, leave us uh, comments, likes, shares. We appreciate it all. Thank you. All right, guys. So tune in to next episode, episode 122. We'll be reviewing the uh, sequel, actually, a sequel movie. Look at this. We're actually going to go back to the theater Uh-oh. for a movie here. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, as well as... Marco and Nabil will be doing some mini reviews of the <laughs> quote unquote Oscar punishment films. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I'm going to send to them yeah. literally as soon as I end this podcast. So until next time, this is James and Marco and Nabil. Have a great one.